Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Buy the Laces podcast. My name is Bill Almalek, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? Absolutely fantastic. How are you, Bilal? I'm doing pretty good myself. Thank you for asking, Trenton. Of course. Always have to check in with the co-host. You know how it is. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, ready to get into this week's show? Yeah. We've right. had a... A lot of Take interesting things happen. Yeah, so um, we had our NFL trade deadline come and go, and there were not really any big trades that happened, nothing like Matt Ryan or Julio Jones moving. Instead, we have uh, players like Avery Williamson escaping from the winless New York Jets and going to the only undefeated team left, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, wow, lucky for him. Wow, <laughs> yeah, Way imagine to that. change that up. It's a it's a nice change of scenery, you know. You go from a losing locker room to one that's uh, still hanging on to not losing yet. Um, the Titans have picked up their new nickel cornerback Desmond King from the Chargers while also releasing edge rusher Vic Beasley. They couldn't find anywhere to send him. He wanted a trade this season, and I believe also last season. Last season, somebody was willing to offer them a a second-round pick. This season, it was, I think, two late-round picks that somebody was willing to offer, but they uh, didn't want to. So instead, they have to release Vic Beasley without anything in return. So, uh, yeah, other than that, really quiet trade deadline. But I guess we had this issue last year too so yeah the trade deadline trend um that was snuck up on us pretty quickly here i mean i didn't even realize that it was upon us until it was gone so nice to see that something came out of that even though, like you said nothing major came no major players were being switched around here all right cool so now we're going with covid the number one topic in the world obviously And um, yesterday, it recorded, I think, uh, 100,000 cases in one day, which we are eight, nine months into this pandemic, and that is the first time we've reached 100,000 cases. And so the Detroit Lions have placed their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. And um, that doesn't mean he has it, though. We want to clarify that. That does not mean he has COVID. It means he is... He's had a high-risk, close contact with someone on the team um, who's not on the team, sorry. And that person presumably probably has had, probably has COVID. So that's why they're putting him in in a five-day isolation window. But that does not mean he's out this week against the Vikings. They're going to fly him on a private plane to Minnesota. And if he remains asymptomatic and has negative test results, he still will be able to play this Sunday against the Vikings, but there's still that five day isolation window that the team is going to have to put him in. So hence the private plane. Um, I mean, earlier this year in August too, he had a, some brush with the pandemic. He had a false positive test, which really scared him and his family though. So, I mean, the league is doing everything they can to make sure everything can be done right, and so are the Lions. But it just shows you that 
COVID can happen to anyone. I'm not saying he has it, but just saying in general, COVID can happen to anyone, and the league is doing the best they can to um, manage the entire situation while still playing a attempting to play a full season. And I think you have some numbers for us in regarding the overall testing situation for the past week. Yeah. Uh, so from October 25th to October 31st, the NFL has now released the COVID-19 monitoring test results for that period. Uh, players in tier one and tier two personnel were tested daily during that tier three individuals were tested weekly. And those who did test positive were immediately isolated, not permitted to access club facilities or have direct contact with players or personnel. And so in that period, almost 43,000 tests were administered for a total of almost 8,000 players and team personnel. Uh, and there were eight new positive confirmed tests among players and 17 new confirmed positives among other personnel. And for the total test results from when they first started on August 1st to October 31st. This is now 63 players and 99 other personnel who were confirmed positive cases. And overall, more than 550,000 tests were administered between August 1st and October 31st. So that's a, that's a sizable number of tests. Glad to see everyone's taking this as seriously as they can and following the protocols that have been established. Um, hey, this next piece of news is going to excite you. I bet uh, your guy, uh, Josh McCown, is joining the Texans. Now, we had noticed that he had been on the practice squad of the Philadelphia Eagles, and part of that deal allowed him to just sit at home while making $12,000 a year. But the Texans are in need of a new back quarterback. And they have um, they've signed Josh McCown, who is a native of Jacksonville, Texas, which is roughly, I believe, a little bit outside of the area of Houston. So it's it's a good start. It's a good uh, it's a good deal for him, and he gets to be on a team team that hasn't had much success though. But um, he gets to be on a team now. I mean, he doesn't have to sit at home, and that's something that. I think he had been missing he that missing that aspect of working in that facility, working with other people. I mean, he is 41 years old, and he is on his 12th NFL team, but it gives him an opportunity to get like the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's it's definitely good to see him going back into football, uh, real football actually, and not just sitting at home and attending virtual meetings that the Eagles were having halfway across the country. But um yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if McCown actually gets a chance to play. I mean, hopefully Deshaun Watson doesn't get injured, but maybe, I don't know, in, in garbage time, if they decide to pull Watson out, maybe McCown can come in, throw throw a few passes and get out without being injured or ripping his other hamstring off the other bone. <laughs> well he would be he would be the third quarterback, though. They got Agent McCarron as their current backup quarterback. But McCown is it's a good uh, a safety precaution from a guy who's shown what he can do in situations, but a guy also you don't, that you don't really want to be out there. But it's um, 
I mean, right now with him being at home, he's his kids, his uh, his sons play uh, college football. One is um, a quarterback and one's a safety. Sorry, I say college. I think I meant uh, high school. They play high school football. And um, I mean, apparently it's from the first time he's been able to uh, be at home with his family since 09 season. He's always been in a different city while they've been at home. And he gets the ability to go back and forth between Houston and where he lives, like we said, in Jacksonville, Texas. So what else could you, what else could you want? And I mean, the, the Eagles liked where he was, like they appreciated him. They, they wanted him on their team, but it's nice of them also to be willing to uh, allow him to have a better chances and just, what's best for him. I mean, he's 41 years old. He's not going to be in the league that much, that longer. So nice to see him like that. Yeah, that's a really good point indeed. Um, speaking of heartwarming stories, why don't we look at Patrick Mahomes who helped to pay uh, to open Arrowhead Stadium up as a polling place during election day. I believe it was uh six figures that they had to pay and he he split it with some some other Kansas City Chiefs executives or board members so that's that's good for him yeah i mean it's great i mean the whole point of this election was trying to get as many people to vote and so a lot of sports teams in across the sports world had been opened up their arenas and stadiums and whatnot to get people to come out and vote because voter turnout historically has been pretty low. And the important, the, one of the best parts of our society is the ability to be involved in such a democratic process of electing people and voting. So but I, what's kind of interesting is that he brought up this idea and the board, I believe, did not like the local officials or whatnot tried to find a way to avoid having this happen because they said there weren't that many machines available to go about in Arrowhead. And he, like you said, was able to finance a lot of the portion of it, uh, of getting new machines to be placed there. So, I mean, he's doing such a big benefit to the community and just, society in general because um he's taking such a big initiative initiative and i mean when you have a 450 million dollar contract i think uh you can afford to go buy some polling machines for your community what do you say Trent? yeah um i think he can also afford to buy a, a whole lot of other stuff too with that with that money he's got but uh he's yeah he's got to save some for his kid He's got to save some for his his kid soon, you know. I think I think he'll have a lot enough money to save, enough money in the bank. All right, speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, Trenton, time to get into the uh, weekly power rankings from NFL.com. Number one, Kansas City Chiefs, remaining at oh, number one. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> Last week they were ranked the first, and this week they have retained the number one spot, coming in number two is also 
is the is the Pittsburgh Steelers keeping their number two spot as well. And sticking with the theme of not really changing your position from week to week, the Bucks are coming in at number three, as they did last week as well. Now here's where we get some change here. The Seahawks are moving from number six up two spots to number four. The Baltimore Ravens have dropped one spot after their loss to the Steelers. They were previously number four. They're currently number five. The Saints have moved up 10 spots. Sorry, not 10 spots. They were previously at number 10. They have moved up four spots to number six. Uh, 10 spots. You never hear it. That would have been weird. Uh, The Packers, thankfully, have dropped two spots from number five to number seven. The Bills remain at number eight compared to the week before. The Indianapolis Colts have moved up five spots from number 14 to number nine. And rounding out the top 10 enters the Arizona Cardinals moving up from number 11 to number 10. Thoughts on the top 10, and then we'll dig into the rest of the rankings soon after. You know, I feel like the Colts moving up five spots from 14 to nine is a little bit of an overreaction after they uh, put together a, a pretty solid game against a pretty not solid Lions team. Um, yeah, I was about I to mean, mention, if, like, you have to remember they're playing the yeah. Lions. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I'm still not sold on Phillip Rivers. He uh, he just isn't the same, I feel. You know, he's getting older, not as productive. I mean, he's been decently good in games, and he still, uh, he's still a quarterback that I think a lot of teams would take over some of the current players and some of the current um, quarterbacks that are playing in the league. So, um. Again, they're playing the Lions, though, but the team is 5-2, and two, so they are winning games. So it could be an overreaction, but we still have a ways to go. I think we just crossed halfway through the season, so we still have eight, roughly eight games to go. So it'll be interesting to see where if they continue to go up or they're going to drop a few spots. But, yeah, five spots is a lot. You would expect it maybe a, a two- or three-spot jump, but a five, I agree with you on that. Um. The, um, I mean, the Packers and the Vikings, the who played the Vikings, sorry, and they dropped, and they didn't play that great of a game, and we'll get into that in a couple minutes here, but two spots down, that's, for their performance, I'd have taken three or four spots down. I mean, I'm a biased Bears fan talking, obviously, but they didn't play well. I mean, the Vikings came in with, one win and you lose like that at home, I would have taken them down. I would have kept them in the top 10 still. They're still a winning football team. But, uh, yeah, that's my thought on where the Packers are. Yeah, I agree with your point, actually. I mean, Packers right now are 5-2, and two, and one of their losses comes from the Vikings game that we're going to talk about. But the other one came from – the Bucks game in which Aaron Rodgers and the offense just couldn't do anything at all. So that's, uh, that's two games that they were just completely blown out of the game. 
Yeah, um, speaking of a team that's moved up a few spots, though, that the, the uh, Broncos moved up five spots from the 23rd spot to the 18th, and I know you're pretty happy about that, considering your smile right now. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting game that the Chargers were leading in throughout, and then all of a sudden the Broncos. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say they they pulled a Bears this season. They came back in the fourth quarter. That was a thirty-one to thirty victory for the Broncos. Come from behind, Drew Lock throws the game-winning touchdown with no time left on the clock. It's it was wild. It's just one of those games that uh, you the game's not over until it's over, and uh, the Broncos decided to uh, were able to pull through and therefore got the win. What do what do you see is going on with the uh, Patriots and the Panthers here? Patriots dropped four spots, and the Panthers dropped dropped five spots. Panthers are definitely missing McCaffrey. Yeah, he's like the heart and soul of that offense. I mean, Bridgewater is uh, is a good quarterback. He's not great, but he's definitely much better than, again, like there's some quarterbacks that are out there right now. But, yeah, McCaffrey is the uh, heart and soul. But it seems like he could be back soon. Could be. I mean, he was – They they need him to be back soon. <laughs> even if he's not ready, <laughs> get out there. Patriots, though. What's happening there in New England? Oh, we all, man. Every, everyone, everyone thought Cam was the answer, and they're all like, why wasn't Cam signed early enough? Or Cam is now getting paid uh, a very low amount of money. But he – apparently he had a red – I didn't watch the game, but like reading about this now, he had a, a red zone fumble in the last minute. And I don't think that game was even that – I think it was a – I believe it was a 24-21 game, something like that. So it was, it was tight. Like, if you don't fumble in the red zone, and let's say you don't get a touchdown, you can still tie the game with a field goal. But he fumbled it away, and they lost the game. Yeah, it was just – it's been brutal for Cam Newton recently. Ever since he came back from his time on the reserve COVID list, he's just – it's been – so difficult for him. He's been throwing picks. He's been fumbling. The The red zone fumble in the last minute of this game, you mentioned a little bit about it. On maybe one or two plays, maybe three plays before that, on the same drive, Cam Newton did that, that same thing, that same run uh, around the left side, designed quarterback run, and he picked up, wow, I don't remember, maybe 10 or 15 yards off of it. So it was successful. And then on the one that he fumbled, it was it was that exact same play, that exact same same play design. And uh yeah, the the Bills defense just made a great play and pulled off the usual Charles Tillman kind of peanut punch and that's how they sealed the game. I love the fact though that everyone now refers to that by default as the peanut punch. I mean, he's got to get that copyrighted. He's got to do something because that is the peanut punch. And the Patriots have now lost four games in a row. So I mean, they started off two and one. Now they're two and five. So I mean, and you got the Bills kind of climbing away with that division. I mean, they still play in the AFC, which 
historically and currently now is not the more con in more competitive divisions. So if they were to hypothetically string together a few wins, it could boost some confidence and especially with the seventh seed in the playoffs. But the Patriots are not winning their division this year and that is I don't know what you attribute that to. Do you attribute that to the Patriots not having Tom Brady? Do you that Cam not just living up to expectations? Do you put that to a coaching job at Belichick, even though he is the greatest coach to ever play, ever coach? Everyone has a bib down year, and this just happened to be the year that Brady wasn't there. So that's going to be the number one storyline later on be like how much of it was really Brady and how much of it was just the Patriots organization in general. Um, yeah, you bring up some really good points there. I, I agree completely. All right, just rounding up some interesting more points here. We'll get into this later, but the Bears, even after their loss, moved up one spot from the 16th spot to the 15th. It's going to be a game we dissect for a little bit because – that's, we go through every Bears game of the season here. Um, the Lions dropped six spots to number 27, previously ranked uh, number 21. After their loss to the Colts, they're 0-3 at home, which is never a good thing. But And the team in itself is at 3-4. and four. Uh, The last two teams here on this power rankings are relatively the same as they usually have been. Washington comes in at 28. Giants come in at 29. Cowboys 30. Jacksonville 31. And the Jets 32. All these are the same from what they were the previous week. And none of these teams really look like they're going anywhere, especially the 0-8 New York Jets. The Jets. Yeah, um... Yeah, we don't even need to waste time talking about the Jets. All right, then Trenton. Um, what was uh, what was some games that caught your attention? I know we that you would like to talk about. Yeah, uh, I think the first one that we have to talk about, especially being Bears fans, is Vikings and Packers, two rivals in the NFC North, and the Vikings pulled away with it. Surprisingly. Somehow, yeah. We, um, two of us in our picks, we picked the, uh, the the Packers to win, even though it pains us to do. And whenever it comes to a game like this, I'm always in the mood of, yeah, I know the logical pick is to pick the Packers in this situation, but I would love to see the Packers lose. And that's basically what happened. And uh, they just didn't play well. And... I mean, there weren't really any turnovers per se, but they just couldn't execute, and uh, the the Vikings could. I mean, at one point, the Vikings were leading by double digits, uh, two scores. So, and it was it was in Lambo, so it's like they've divided up the series now. The Vikings, the Packers took the. I think it was Week One. They took Week One at Minnesota, and the Vikings come down to Lambo now, and they take uh, this Week Eight game. So. Interesting to see how uh, the Vikings got their second win of the year. Yeah, I mean, let me just say, though, when Dalvin Cook is healthy, he's scary. He is so scary. Exactly. Uh, He had 30 carries, 163 yards on the ground rushing. 
He had three rushing touchdowns. He added uh, 63 yards in receiving and another touchdown. So he had four total touchdowns against the Packers. I mean, that's, that's just wild. They couldn't stop um, They could not stop him. And that, that's yeah. really what your game plan should be, is to stop him, and that failed. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at how the stats go, it just strikes me as how different these teams are. I mean, the Vikings ran Dalvin Cook 30 times. Kirk Cousins only threw the ball 14 times. And you look that's at the probably Packers. a good thing. That's probably a good thing to do. <laughs> like Kirk doesn't throw the ball. He would have thrown like three or four picks with that. Yeah. Um, and you look at Aaron Rodgers and he threw forty one passes and only completed twenty seven of them. He threw three touchdowns and no interceptions, but it's just yeah. Um the Vikings just had control of the ball on the ground and the Packers could not stop them from running. I mean, Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over. That's something we'll give him credit for. Um, except uh, he doesn't throw those clean picks. It's more of a tip ball. It's more of the guy didn't run the right route. It's more of it bounces off of someone. So that's how his throws get picked. But you can still beat the Packers, apparently, by not getting any turnovers. And I mean, they had some momentum towards the end trying to find some way to score, but they just scored eight points in the fourth quarter, but that wasn't enough. So Vikings don't yeah. win. Um, and I feel like and I, <laughs> when I say this, I also feel like I'm speaking for all Packers fans, but the Packers really haven't surrounded Aaron Rodgers with enough weapons for him to be successful. He has Devontae Adams, okay, and that's Pretty much all he has in the receiving game. There was talk during the the trade deadline that they wanted to pick up Will Fuller from the Texans to give Rodgers, you know, another another good wide receiver to stretch the field with. But they apparently the Packers brass couldn't decide on a value for Fuller, and so it, it slipped away from them. So it's it's not a not a fun time to be Aaron Rodgers. You 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 spend your first round pick on 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 a backup quarterback that uh, who's not going to play anytime soon. I mean, you do have Aaron Rodgers playing, but like you said, do the Packers even want to help him? Like it's like they're intentionally trying to find ways to be creative, if you want to put it, with their decision making. But how? Will that creativity even pay off? Like, what are you? What are you doing? Do you want to win, or do you want to? I mean, okay, they are winning, They're putting up numbers, putting up good numbers. But in general, like you said, they're not helping their their star player. And then, like, if they got him a, a receiver who could catch, they got him a running back who could run, which is in the job description. You should be able to do that, but uh, in either. Right, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, you said, he's the first Viking ever with 200 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns in a game. That, that's impressive. That's impressive. And this is coming from a, a team that had Adrian Peterson, too. Adrian Peterson with a 2,000-yard season back in 2012, yeah. 
he didn't even have that in one game. So, I mean, it's uh, it's going to change up the standings a little bit in general, but uh, Vikings have only won two games and the Packers have only lost two games. So, again, it's one game. We'll move on. We'll dissect. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, it was uh, it was nice to see a Packers loss, especially what happened later on in the day after that, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. But uh, the more exciting game actually didn't even happen on Sunday. It happened on Monday with the Bucks and the Giants. And uh, I know you got a few interesting takes on this game, so I'll let you. Uh, Take it on, and then we'll we'll uh, dissect the situation from there. Uh, I I distinctly remember when I when I was making uh, my pick last week when we were going through the games that I said, "Will this be the game in which Daniel Jones becomes the next Eli Manning to Tom Brady?" And uh, it almost happened. I mean. They're only down two points, so <laughs> you're giving me a little skeptical look there. Go ahead. Well, yeah, at one point in the game, you were going to be right. Like he, it did, they did look like he, they would be able to take down Tom Brady and the Giants again as an organization. Again, they've beat, beaten them twice in the Super Bowl. But Daniel Jones throws, throws two picks. It, it's become his trademark now to find some way. He, either he can't hold on to the ball when he's being sacked, which causes a fumble, or he just throws the ball um, in really unnecessary situations. But I will give him credit on that last possession of the game. He had, I believe it was roughly, I think, two fourth down conversions that were made, and both of them, the Bucks could have easily sacked him or maybe even intercepted him, but he found a way to keep that drive alive. And the one moment, and I texted you right after this happened, um, it reminded me of, it was on that drive where Jones was moving around. It reminded me straight to Eli Manning in the Super Bowl against the Giant, against the Patriots um, of the 07 season, where he gets out of that, pile and he throws it down to David Tyree with the helmet with the helmet catch the, the catch wasn't like that but just the way that Jones was able to maneuver out of it and he isn't the most nimble guy in the pocket he's more of that he's built like that more traditional pocket passer where he's going to stand in the pocket and throw the ball but he was able to get out there and uh, make a few plays but uh, Ultimately, it came down to that two-point conversion, which was unsuccessful, and therefore the Buccaneers ended up winning the game. Yeah, it was definitely a valiant effort by Jones, but he just, man, he <laughs> he turns the ball over way too much. Whether it's fumbles or picks, he just, he's a, he's, I, I don't know if, would I say he's worse than, Jameis Winston? He's getting up there. He's getting up in the nose. Hey, but Eli Manning <laughs> also turned the ball over plenty. So if That's, you want yeah. to compare him to Eli Manning, part of, uh, I don't know, if you want to put it like the job requirement, you have to be able to, I mean, you don't want that. I mean, he's working on it too. I mean, it's his second year in the league. 
the Giants are not a good team. They have won one game, but they're also playing in the worst division in football that you only need like maybe four or five wins and you might make the playoffs, which seems – I don't even know how to put it. It's just crazy. But um, And he's missing uh, Saquon Barkley as well. For the which, rest of the year, yeah. Yeah, which feels like so long ago, doesn't it? It happened in week two against the Bears, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been – It's been it, six weeks roughly. It feels like a lifetime without Saquon. Who are you? <laughs> are, you oh, are you that guy? Okay. And like when you see him playing next year, it's going to be like, yeah, you're right. I mean, even when he played last year, though, he he played well. The Giants in general did not. So, how much of an impact? They might have played better this year if he was there, but uh, he's not. So, it's going to have to see what they are. They still have a chance. Uh, every team that trash division still has a chance. Honestly, I don't get that division. I can't. I don't get it. Moving on, though, Trenton, just to um, uh, this game. Um, it was it was a nail biter, and it was. I mean, I got especially one in overtime. The Bears and the Saints. The Bear. I'll start with the. Uh, I'll start with the good stuff, though. The Bears' defense. Thoughts? I mean, they're they're the ones who keep the Bears in the game. Mm-hmm. I agree. In any game, if we didn't have is. this defense, we would we could have lost every game of the year. I mean, they had one bad play in my view the whole game, which was their last touchdown before the half that they gave up. I mean, that was just. They were gassed in my – you could tell they were tired. But uh, in general, that this defense has kept the Bears in every single game this year, kept it tight, and especially when the offense does not produce. Um, Nick Foles had shown sparks during this game, like a few good deep throws that we finally caught. Mooney caught him. Robinson caught that beautiful touchdown in the corner of the end zone. But then he throws the ball. He throws an interception. Again, like, this is sixth or seventh interception since playing with the Bears this year. And remember, he only came in in the third game. So, it's um, he's throwing one or two in almost every game that he's played in, I think. And that's not, that's not good. He can't, can't turn it over. But we had a good running game for the most part, and we had uh, we Montgomery was able to find a few holes, take it down. I think he had. I'll I'll look it up, but I think he had close to eighty, ninety yards rushing, which is decently good for compared to where where we have been. I mean, obviously Nagy would like it to be more. And, I mean, the team was in it till the end. I mean, I like our kicker now. I finally like our kicker. You think Cairo, he's the Cairo Yeah, no, yeah. Eddie Pinero's job is gone. He is. Uh, yeah. He, he's not. I agree. <laughs> um, especially when uh, Santos was able to kick a 51-yard field goal to uh, 
going overtime. Imagine if a crowd was there. That would that stadium would have erupted in cheers for him, which you can't really have said about a Bears kicker besides Robbie Gold. Um, I was checking the stats for yeah. Montgomery ran for eighty nine yards and averaged four point two yards a carry, which has been one of his more uh, better performances throughout the uh, throughout the season. So. Yeah, you got the running, although, running game going. Got to got to get better, but uh, it's it's moving in the right direction so far. Yeah. Um, although a lot of those yards came on that one big run that he had. What was it like thirty plus yards? Um, which was nice to see, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it was nice for him to see because he's looking around. And he's like, "Where's where's all the defenders?" One thing with this team is that, that they do well in the no huddle situation, trying to speed up the game. Like, I mean, run that more if we need to. We don't have to waste time to huddle up because you get that you get one big play going, then you get up there and you get another big play going. You just gotta they keep stacking up on top of each other, and that builds just a lot of uh, momentum for the team. Yeah, um, speaking of momentum, or lack thereof, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. The yeah. man. <laughs> he's done good this year, I'm giving thing. He's more uh, – we have a tight end who can catch, and I like him now a lot. But, uh, again, Silver Foles' throws were behind him, though. Like, he would have to twist his body to try to just catch the ball. So, it, it's on the Foles' job to uh, put the ball in a better position, but uh, he, he, he just wasn't a good day for him. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, yeah. It wasn't used that much either. I mean, he only had two receptions for 13 yards. Seven was, targets. Seven targets, yeah. But, they were, uh, yeah, they were trying to get it to him. But, I, but some of the throws weren't good. Like, some of the throws just had mm-hmm. to – been in better positions and which is that's on fold. It's on the quarterback because you're the one throwing yeah. the ball. So, I mean, one of the first ones I remember that Jimmy Graham was trying to catch, um, well, he, he couldn't catch it. And then the Saints defender came from behind and took out the back of his knees. Yeah. And then he sort of twisted awkwardly with his legs and then kind of gingerly came off the field. And I was like, oh man, that's. That's terrible because he's he's our main tight end. And then I saw it happen again. And then I saw it happen again. And I was like, how many times is Nick Foles going to throw a curl route to Jimmy Graham and a safety or a linebacker comes and blows up his knees? It's like, come on, man. You can't do that to the Jimmy Graham. The man's old. <laughs> the man's old. He's going to retire. We need him in the we need him in the red zone though. Like he's a guy you can just throw the ball up to in a in a in any jump ball situation and uh, can trust he'll come down with it. And we got to we also got to get um, it's been a story going around for a long time. So you got to get Cole Komet involved. He's had sparks. He's caught the ball once though. This past game on one target for two yards. And that one throw was on that final possession, I believe, where it looked like the ball was fumbled, but they were ruled the forward progress had been stopped, which I, I like this ref, though, in general, not just because it's game. I like uh, Tony Carrenti, the ref, 
in any game he works and because he gives such detailed explanations to the ruling on the fields and penalties in general but uh, that was I mean I was thinking when it happened I'm like oh great we give the guy the ball now and he fumbles it away but he, we got lucky that it wasn't a, it wasn't an actual fumble and the refs had ruled it but we got to get him more, more involved though which we probably will he's a rookie still so it's uh, let's uh, we can't go away though without talking about Javon Wims. Javon Wims, I was usable. I was just about actions. to mention that, and you read my mind below. <laughs> you absolutely read my mind. Please explain your thoughts. Uh, let's first mention what happened and then explain your thoughts to him, us. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll I'll, I'll explain it in the order in which information was given so of course during the game we see after a a run play i believe uh javon wims is blocking against another cornerback and at the end of the play he does not target that cornerback but he goes after another saints player um i believe it was chauncey garner johnson um, and he, he kind of steps in front of him, reaches up, yanks out the Saints player's mouthpiece, and then punches him in the helmet. And Gardner Johnson is turning to look at Wims, and <laughs> he's, he's not reacting at all. If, I'm sure if you look at his face, he's just like, what the heck just happened? And then Wims punches him again. And then from there, a brawl breaks out. Um, and of course, Wims eventually gets ejected. But he's at afterwards, when he's pulled off of the Saints player, he's clapping like he, he exactly. did something great. And You're like, like it's going to uh, be on the Saints. It, it, why? There's no, uh, in my, in general, no matter what happens, don't punch the guy in the head. He's got a helmet on too. It's like, what's he gonna, what are you going to do to him? You're, you're going to hurt your own hand. Um, and then you come off dancing as if you just did something amazing. Like, okay, I thought, okay, the way he's acting, the Saints player might have started the fight, and he's going to be ejected now. But then you go look at it, and it's like, no, <laughs> Javon Wims is the one who started the fight, and he's he got ejected. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Now he's been suspended for two games, so it's... Uh, it's an unfortunate situation, and Nagy said the Bears are uh, working on some way to also deal with the entire situation internally. So who knows? It could be even more punishment coming down on the team's side of it. I mean, the league has already suspended him. The team could also do something too. So we'll see where it comes. There's no place for that in any in in the game or just in any situation. You don't go punching a guy in the head. Especially with yeah. a helmet. Don't <laughs> do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wims afterwards did provide his own explanation, and it was that uh, a few plays ago, Gardner Johnson had done something similar to him. He ripped out Wims's mouthpiece and then supposedly was spitting on him. Um, but, of course, after that play – in which supposedly Gardner Johnson did that to Wims. Wims was pulled off the field 
and sat on the bench for like a yeah. five or um, something plays. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I mean, even if even if Char- even if uh, Gardner Johnson did start it, Wims can't just sit on the bench and then come onto the field and the first play that he's back on the field, like five plays later, is when he goes and does it. Like that's you can't, you can't. Your team's already backed up. <laughs> In other news of very strange developments, uh, Mitch Trubisky suffered a shoulder injury on his one play that he came in, which was a rush for three yards, which saying the Bears are trying to imitate a Taysom Hill-like uh, scenario bringing in, which is fine. Trubisky can run. He is a good runner. And if he needed to, he could throw it. But and Foles can't run. Like There were situations in the game where Foles took sacks, where he definitely should not have taken sacks. Either he could have ran it out or thrown it away, but still, that's besides the point. The one play Trubisky comes in, he hurts his shoulder, and any thought of Trubisky coming in now to replace Foles, it was at least for the next couple of weeks put to the side. I mean, we have two games coming up this week against the Titans and the next week against the Vikings, and then we get the bye week. So hypothetically speaking, he's out for three weeks, two games, which means you elevate Tyler Bray up to the backup quarterback status, which Nagy has been working with Bray for eight years now, and Foles also has worked with him in the past. That is why um, I think it was one of the games earlier this year they moved him up to the active roster, which he didn't play, but he was – not in the practice squad. So, yeah. I mean, it's just a bizarre situation and it represents the year 2020 perfectly. <laughs> I mean, in, yeah, I, it definitely represents 2020. And I think in a way it also kind of represents Matt Nagy's mindset as a coach and play caller. Cause it, it feel it just feels like what he has in his head and what the offense is supposed to look like is so much different than what the offense actually is on the field. Like I'm sure in his head, he's like, okay, the saints are having success where they have drew Brees, Who's more of a pocket guy passing. And then sometimes they bring in Taysom Hill. He's a good runner. And you know, they pick up yards there. Maybe they can pull out some trick plays. He's like, Oh, I can do the same thing. I have Nick Foles. He's a pocket guy. Trubisky. He's a running guy. I'll put in Trubisky. I can do the same things that they do. The only difference is, Taysom Hill was built like a tight end. Mitch Trubisky is a really skinny quarterback. <laughs> See, but the idea is not a bad idea. It it can work, and it probably should be explored more often. It's just that you come in on one plane, you hurt yourself. Um, I, I mean, not, it's not a knock on anybody. You could get hurt in any situation. But uh, I, liked, I liked the effort. I liked the creativity. It was just something to get things going, and it was – after one play, it was nice to see uh, Trubisky back on the field. And maybe they incorporate it again once he feels better. I mean, the running tests on it, we didn't really know much until, like, recently. So we'll see how it continues on and uh, if we end up seeing any more trickery out of Matt Nagy. Yeah. Um, but the thing that worries me, of course, is that when the report came out that Trubisky was injured, they – 
said there was concerns that it was significant structural damage to his throwing shoulder. To his throwing shoulder. Well, he did go. He did go down on the right shoulder. Like he did go, and then he, he was a right-handed quarterback. So, yeah, it's just it's terrible. It's so terrible. We'll just have to see where it uh, it goes with that. Um, all right, uh, you ready to uh, pick some games here, Trenton? Oh, it's it's that time of the podcast again, where we look at our records from last week. And uh, <laughs> hey, this wasn't this wasn't that good of a week for me either. Um, well, I'm sorry, I'm not assuming that you did bad at all. I'm just saying that I didn't do so well. Um, I went. I ended up going seven and seven, a flat fifty percent. So that brings my overall season total to eighty-one thirty-seven and one. Um, how'd you do? Uh, well. I would like to go seven and seven, but you've done that a instead, few times. Yeah, and it's been a, uh, it's been nice, and uh, I, I was a little disappointed when that happened before, but I would definitely take that now because last week I went five and nine. Ooh, Trenton. <laughs> that puts my uh, season overall at sixty-eight, fifty, and one. So I'm a little more than ten behind you right now, but you know it's uh getting there i'm gonna be like the jets <laughs> <laughs> i think you're doing much better than the jets just putting uh, that out there thank you for the vote of confidence for all <laughs> all right so let's uh let's get to it um first game of the week tonight we got the packers at the 49ers the rematch of the nfc championship game no Ooh. jimmy garoppolo and that entire – I mean, that, that 49ers team in general has been dealing with issues, but Aaron Rodgers yeah. doesn't really do well in his home state of California. Right. So, um, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, but also George Kittle has a broken bone in his foot. He's out for maybe the entire season, they're thinking. Um, and news just broke recently that the 49ers have had a bunch of – well, they had one, I believe, positive COVID test – and that was on their wide receiver, uh, Kendrick Bourne. But because of that one COVID test, he was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. But also they put left tackle Trent Williams and two other receivers, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, also on the reserve list. Um, Williams and Ayuk, because they were deemed close contact and Samuel also because he was deemed close contact, but also Samuel, I believe, was already ruled out because of a hamstring injury. So that's that's three wide receivers that the 49ers are missing. So what's your pick then, Trenton? What are you going with? I'm going to go with not the 49ers. I'm going to go with the Packers. I am also going with the Packers, and you made a very good case that I am going to let stand on its own, which, again – the Niners come out of the victory, I'm perfectly fine with. But again, the whole point of this exercise is to come out on top. So the maintain logical Maintain your lead. <laughs> maintain my lead, exactly. Um, the logical choice is to pick the Packers, even though I'd be perfectly fine with the 49ers victory. But it seems very unlikely at the time, at the moment. Um, Giants at Washington. 
I am predicting that the NFC East is going to get a little weirder and the Giants are going to win this. Is that even possible, Trent, to get even weirder <laughs> than before than that it is right now? I mean, you know, right now there's kind of like a – there's kind of hierarchy. You know, you have the Eagles on top and then – Well, yeah, you know, there's a hierarchy, yeah. Trent, and you have to rank so, every team <laughs> one through four. But, like, yeah, the way but that I'm, division is shaped <laughs> up. I mean, I'm looking for – I mean, Washington right now is two and five. The Giants right now are, are one and seven. But, you know, wouldn't it be cool if all the teams sort of end up within one win of each other? So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm going to go Giants. It's always the NFC East that has to end up this way. Um, I'm going the Giants as well. Um, they, they hung in well against the Bucks. Could have tied the game at the end. Daniel Jones will probably throw one interception at least or lose a fumble or two. But um, I still think that uh, they have the – ability to play well enough to be competitive and come out with a win. Um, second oh, game. You have, you have an actual reason. Mine is just, I want the numbers to look funny together. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, it's a reason. All we needed was, uh, all we needed was some justification. Um, I'm trying to come back. I swear. <laughs> Bears and Titans. Uh, I'm gonna go Bears here. Uh, I think the Bears might have a chance. I things didn't look too good. Things didn't look too good last week, but things were things came down to the wire. And um, and the Titans are a good team, but they did lose against the Bengals. But uh, not that that really means anything this week. It's a new week. The key for the Bears is going to be just slow down Derrick Henry and stop that rushing attack, which I think our defense is built to do. I mean, we will give up plays. That's going to happen. But we are not going to break down, and we are not going to be, I believe, torched against the Titans. And Ryan Tannehill, while he's a good quarterback, he's not a great or even a level below that. or not. He's just good. So I think the Bears has a, have a chance, but we can't allow the defense to – to have to win us the game. I mean, if it comes down to that, I'm fine. I'll take it. But the offense has to put up productivity, which they showed sparks of week, last week, but they just have to put it together now, like consistent productivity. All right, then. Nothing else to mention? All right, cool. I got on a uh, unique moment where Trenton doesn't have any input. But... I mean, you 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 said everything that needed to be said. I didn't. I don't have to add anything. You put it. You laid it out perfectly. All right, cool. Keep it in the division then. Lions at Vikings. Ooh, I mean, we we talked earlier about Matthew Stafford being thrown on the COVID reserve list. So I'm gonna have to go Vikings here. All right, yeah, I'm going Vikings too. Uh, Lions, Lions. They don't have Stafford. Probably won't have Stafford. Um, not much of other of a justification behind that pick. Um, another one, too, I'm not really going to justify is my pick for the Panthers and Chiefs. Going with the Chiefs. The also Panthers, going with the Chiefs. Panthers yeah. have lost a few games, not played as well. Keep it short and simple. We both take the Chiefs. A matchup of two one and six teams coming up here. The Texans at the Jaguars. The Jaguars. I'm going to take the Texans, and not just because they signed 
Josh McCown. That would have been a perfectly valid reason, but I am also taking the Texans because I just feel like the Jaguars aren't aren't there. I mean, the Texans aren't there either, but just comparing the two one and six teams, in, the team that goes to two wins is going to be the Texans, just because they still got Watson and JJ Watt and some stars on that team, but. What else can you pick? I mean, that's honestly a coin flip in a way. Ravens at Colts. I'm going to go Ravens. Yeah, I'm going with the Ravens too. I mean, the Colts are a good team and everything, but the Ravens just lost the NC Steelers. And in general, the Ravens are still one of the top teams in the league, so it's kind of hard to pick against them. And the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson. Seahawks at the Bills. I'm going to go Seahawks on this one. I am also going with Seahawks. I think we've mentioned many times how we are both very fond of Russell Wilson and the way he just throws that ball. And that team in general is a very strong team that is putting themselves in a pretty good position when it comes to the playoff situation. It's going to be forming pretty soon. So Bills are a good team in their own right, but I think the Seahawks are just better. Broncos at Falcons. I'm going to go with the Broncos here. I am going with the Falcons. I mean, uh, yeah, they had that, the Broncos had that come from behind win against the Chargers, but I still think that uh, Falcons have some opportunity here. I mean, they're not a great team at all, but uh, they did have that nice win against the Panthers last week on Thursday night. Put together a few wins um they're not going much. They're not going far, but I still think they'll come out with the win here. Uh, the Raiders or the Chargers? Ooh, I'm going to go Chargers here. I'm going with the uh, the Raiders on this one. Uh, yeah, I still think uh, – I mean, the Chargers are an all right team. They're not great. They're not terrible. But uh, when you look at the overall squads right now, have they played – I think the Raiders are a much more uh, complete team. And Chargers are in that phase of rebuilding in a way because now they got that rookie quarterback in there who is still learning his ways around the league. If they kept Terod Taylor in there, then I would have thought the Chargers may have had a better. But that's also now like four. That's also like many weeks ago in the past. So can't really judge that off. Steelers and the Cowboys. Going to go Steelers here. Yeah, I think that's a no, no-brainer. I think the Steelers are going 8-0, and, and I don't remember the last time a team has gone 8-0 and except for the Patriots back in 07. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Steelers are like, – they got Brossesberger back, and all of a sudden you're undefeated. It's been a nice show to watch. Uh, Dolphins and Cardinals. I'm going to go Cardinals over here. Going the Cardinals as well. I mean, the Dolphins did shock the world by beating the Dolphins. I mean, sorry, not beating the Rams. Beating the Rams. You can't beat the Dolphins. You are the Dolphins. <laughs> um, but still, I, I like the way Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray plays and is only to a second game. So I'm not ready to uh, pick them yet. Uh, the Saints of the Bucks, Sunday night, the rematch of week one in Tampa. Ooh. With the fans, uh, though. There are no fans the first game, so I don't know if that helps or does anything, but 
yeah, there's uh, the season has not gone exactly the way that both teams had imagined it going nope. when they met in week one. Both of them had some kind of crushing losses to some teams they didn't expect to lose to, but I'm going to take Saints here again. I am taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. I can't pick against uh, Tom Brady unless he's playing the Bears. And they played well. I mean, they last week, and I think the Bucs, they're going to be getting Antonio Brown now. So I think uh, let's see how he fits in this equation. And if he clicks, if he doesn't, they'll be out of there. So he'll be out. So, And wrapping up with the Monday night game that we have all been waiting for, the Patriots at the Jets. I, I got to pick the Patriots here. <laughs> um, this is even a question to ask now. Um, yeah, the Patriots. They've lost I mean, four games in a row, but I think uh, they'll snap that streak against the winless Jets. Yeah, if if Bill Belichick were to lose to the winless Jets, and if he were to give the Jets their first win of the season, he might just up and retire. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> this is all I needed. Yeah, the Jets aren't winning a game, and there's a very good chance that they – I mean, it's halfway through the year, so who knows? They're on the way to a win this season, which would fit perfectly for the Jets in general. All right, um – we have uh, picked all the games, so we've uh, see how our records will improve from that. Anything else you would like to mention before we wrap it all up here, Trenton? No, I think we've had a very productive show. I agree with you. Productivity at its finest. Maybe not, but uh, pretty close. All right, so uh, thank you all for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Please uh, stay safe with this coronavirus still raging on. Wear a mask. And don't forget to follow us at Bill Malik 15 and Trent underscore Cito. We uh, can't wait to see what this week brings and uh, another week of football. And if Bill Belichick retires after the Jets game, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs>